Hello and welcome to another Comics Pals Wrestling Special. This time we're going to be talking about the Royal Rumble and TakeOver Phoenix. Joining me, Philip Casey, is the one man that was never thrown over the top ropes. So therefore, the uncrowned champion of the Royal Rumble, Sean Bartley. Hello, well, I mean, that's that's only half true because uh, Seth Rollins was also not thrown over the top rope. So we got a real situation on our hands here. Yeah, we've got a we've got a, a big show uh, rock circuit two thousand type situation. Not sure how we're gonna resolve this one. Um, but I don't really wanna get back in the ring. I don't wanna get in the ring with Seth Rollins. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty good at slaying kings, and if there's one thing I can say about you, sir, you are the king of wrestling. The king of the ring. Oh, thank you. I, li- I like that. Not bad. I like that. Yeah. That should be my nickname going forward. Yeah, I think that's okay. Uh, those of you that have followed us before, we uh, periodically talk about wrestling here on the Comics Pals. And uh, just last week, we did a prediction video, which you can find uh, on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud or wherever your podcasts are sold. So go check that out. Check this out now, and we'll be talking about more wrestling going forward. Uh, so Sean, before we start talking about this weekend's pay-per-views, there's been some big news I kind of want to pick your brain over. Yep. What's going on with Dean Ambrose? So, uh, it came out just today for us, uh, it being Tuesday, that Dean Ambrose has rejected a new contract from WWE. He was offered, allegedly was offered a raise and an extension and he rejected both and gave wwe notice that he will not be re-signing with them when his contract expires in late april so we are coming on to the last days of dean ambrose and wwe what do you think of that were you a big dean ambrose fan and what do you make of his future i think everybody sort of says the same thing about dean uh for reasons related to him or to the WWE, or a little bit of both. It just really hasn't clicked with him. Um, and I don't know if it has ever. Um, some people feel that way. I've I've been a big Dean Ambrose fan in the past. But I will say that ever since he came back from his injury, things have just not been great. Um, when he first came back, I was into him. I liked what they were what they were going for, kind of a... You know, a streamlined Dean Ambrose, kind of mysterious, a badass, you know, less jokey. Um, but once he turned heel, they threw all that out the window and made him a goof. And it just feels like his effort level has been dropping and dropping and dropping. And WWE has done him no favors through storyline. So uh, I don't see a reason for him to stay, to be honest. What's the point? Uh, do you... Do you think he goes to something like AEW, or do you think he's done with wrestling? Oh, I'm sure he's going to go to AEW. This this reeks of um, there's competition now, so I'm going to seek that out. I think that this movement here is a direct response to AEW existing, and that's great. I think we've, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors and, and, and things about people who want to give AEW a shot, who want out of their contracts. We, we heard about the Revival uh, wanting out of their contracts, whether that's true or not. Um, so I don't think he's going to be the last for certain. And I think that WWE has to take a, a hard look at the way that they're treating talent 
because they run the risk of losing more people. And I think they know that because the revival, I mean, well, the revival lose pretty consistently, um, but they went from losing to the Lucha House Party to mixing it up with the tag champs and the run, uh, Monday Night Raw was last night. They got a win on Raw. So um, that's just one example. But Bobby Lashley, a champion now out of nowhere, um, lots of movement. And I think that I think that AEW is the reason. Do you think Renee Young follows him? Um, I could see her leaving. Actually, uh, the only reason I say that is because she's she's pretty talented. Um, and I could see her wanting to, to. WWE often struggles to keep the more talented of their female announcers and people like that. Uh, a lot of times, those people move on. Um, there have been a few. Uh, women from WWE who have moved on to have solid positions in other places. I don't think she has to stay. The only thing that I see that could keep her is that she is an announcer from Monday Night Raw. Like She's on the announce team, and she's the first woman ever in that position. So to give that up, I, I that that's a little... That's a little uh, it's the only thing I think might keep her from leaving. I'm not sure how much she enjoys it. I think she likes the challenge of it, but I she's expressed before when she was doing commentary uh, in NXT that it's not really her bag. Right. Well, um, she's been improving. I'm not sure, like you say, I'm not sure if she enjoys it or doesn't enjoy it, but I think giving up a, a, a historical role in WWE, just because your your man left the company, I mean, maybe that's not the only reason, but um, it just doesn't seem like the greatest decision. I'm not a huge Dean Ambrose fan myself. I've never been a big fan. Uh, his matches don't do it for me. His promos are fine, but uh, uh, he's always been kind of lacking for me. So for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too upset if he left, but. I recognize he has a lot of fans, and it'd be almost surreal that if by the end of WrestleMania, Seth Rollins is the only member of the Shield left in WWE. I think that's exactly where we're going. That's 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 almost unthinkable to where we were a year ago. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been a mix of bad luck because of injury. And, you know, some WWE typical, you know, poor booking. But they just haven't had a great year. Um, I mean, Seth Rollins is the only one who has. Roman's year was a little shaky. Um, and Dean, obviously, that was a weird, a very weird situation with him. But uh, you got to look to injury, I, I think, in a lot of ways. But to be, to be really frank, when it comes to Dean, every big moment that he could have had, I feel, just didn't go over. And at some point, you got to look at the wrestler. I'm with you there. But we don't get to talk about news terribly often when we talk about wrestling. So I kind of want to just lead with that because it's it's fresh, it's new. And uh, Dean Ambrose is a upper card guy. So I figured that's pretty important. Well, um, my last thought is this is, you know, it may not affect WWE too much not having him, but wh- wherever he goes, that's going to be a big boom because WWE isn't just losing any old guy. They're losing a multi-time world champion and someone who's always a player at the upper echelon of their card. So for him to be going elsewhere, 
you know, that's not the kind of thing WWE wants. I think he's only been a one-time world champion back when they did the brand split. Uh, he's definitely been an intercontinental champion many times. And either way, he's been a he's been at the top of the card and highly advertised and and marketed by the company. So I think you're right in that regard. Wherever he goes is a huge boon, and AEW makes a lot of sense to me. Um, my only concern is if he's kind of lost the passion for it, not unlike CM Punk. Mm, something tells me that he's still into it. But yeah, anyway, we, we, we might as well get into uh, what happened this weekend in WWE Wrestling. So, to quote his new gimmick, But the games begin! He's basically Bane. Right. <laughs> uh, so let's lead off with NXT TakeOver Phoenix. Sean, overall, what do you think of that uh, pay-per-view? TakeOver Phoenix was awesome, I gotta say. Uh, there is a an expectation going into these things that they're going to be great, and they always are. Uh, I've never seen one that I thought was bad, you know. Um, I've seen some that weren't the best, but I've never seen one that I thought was bad. Um, this one, I think, was really strong in some ways. Uh, I think it only it only really has... Well, well, we'll talk about it. But there were really only two matches that I didn't think were, were too awesome. Um, and then everything else was incredibly good. So... It's hard to argue with that. You know, what, two and a half, three hours of great, overall great wrestling? Fantastic stuff. We talk about it every time NXT comes up. It's always just, uh, it's always at the very top. NXT right now, I think, is the best promotion in the world. Uh, you get the combination of WWE money and a crop of the best indie wrestlers in the world in one promotion. You have your Ricochets, your Adam Coles, your Kyle O'Reilly's. You have your Keith Lee's, who's not even on this takeover. It's just a bevy of of just incredible talent. Uh, I really enjoyed this show, too. I actually liked all five matches, uh, some better than others, but I thought from top to bottom it was just uh, an exquisite pay-per-view. I guess we might as well get into it here. Uh, The first match we had saw new tag team champions. Uh, for the better part of the year, Undisputed Era has been the tag team champions of NXT. They, t- they took the titles uh, off AOP last January, about a year ago. Lost them for about a couple weeks uh, over the summer to Mustache Mountain to promote the new NXT UK brand, but quickly got them back. So uh, they're two-time champions, largely uh, have been champions for a year. Uh, this match saw cartwheels from Hanson of War Raiders, which got the audience going crazy. Um, Some really good spots from both Kyle O'Reilly and Roddy Strong. Um, This match received a Fight Forever chant, uh, and the War Raiders were able to kick out of their high-low finisher uh, off Hanson. They made a second attempt, uh, but they weren't able to hit it. Um, Rowe then hit his padded press slam powerbomb uh, which followed by a leg drop by row for the one, two, three. Sean, what do you think of this tag team match? I thought this was really, really good. I wasn't expecting a lot out of the War Raiders um, from when they first debuted, just because they don't look conventionally good in terms of you know what they would bring to the table wrestling wise. Um, they don't. They didn't to me anyway stand out 
Um, so I'd heard, of course, about their their history and stuff, but I just didn't have high expectations. This match blew me out of the water. Um, they they really really are fun to watch, um, and I love that they're both you know bigger guys uh, in one way or another. And they really just put their bodies out there, put their bodies on the line. Um, I think it's Roe in particular. That's their, that's his name, right? He's the thinner of the two. Whichever one was jumping off, jumping uh, out of the ring, suicide dives, uh, off the top rope, all kinds of awesome things. Um, just just a really fun match. The undisputed era are always good, um, but but I think one thing that every takeover that has a tag match, which most do can guarantee is you get a great tag match and wwe in general doesn't provide that i mean you'll get solid tag matches a lot but really really great ones i would say are rare whereas with nxt you get them all the time and so if you're a fan of tag wrestling like i am these takeover shows are awesome for that yeah tag team wrestling in general has so many variables to create an awesome match because it gives these guys time to breathe uh there's a lot more variability with four guys uh in the match um it's crazy because wwe proper has so many really good tag teams like the bar uh shield when they were together a year ago um the revival uh new day the usos and most of the time they just don't let these guys get their time to shine uh, but you make an excellent point on on takeovers or even NXT TV. Uh, they really let the tag teams shine because they're it's such a good way to start a show with like just a high octane exhilarating match. Um, also, the War Raiders had a the only unique intro on this show. Yeah, did you like that kind of Viking entrance? I think it was cool in a super macho kind of way. Uh, I tend to not care about Vikings or anything like that. Um, and uh, my girlfriend laughed out loud when she <laughs> saw the the fake hair that one of them had on. Yeah. Um, the wig. And, um, yeah, it, you know, it's goofy, but uh, it's it's fine. It, it, it was cool. The, the aforementioned row is... Uh, particularly very into Vikings. He and his his now wife Sarah Logan uh, on the main roster had like a Viking wedding. Uh, it's like part of their identity now, I guess. So it kind of makes sense that this happened. Yeah, and different entrances when done on occasion are typically awesome. Um, some of the most memorable WrestleMania entrances of all time feature guys having you know entrances that are not what they typically have and it just adds a little flavor so yeah you can really never go wrong with a special entrance one thing nxc definitely has going is that uh takeovers really have that big show feeling you like you can't miss it and um uh it helps with the entrances kind of add to that flavor yeah absolutely so what's next for the undisputed air i found myself asking this question a lot when this match ended because I don't think the path is necessarily clear cut. Um, they've done, it feels like they've done everything they can do. Uh, the only one who I think has a lot of upward mobility left in NXT is Adam Cole. But to be honest, he's ready to leave NXT in terms of where he's at skill wise. And I think that the main roster could benefit from a player like him. So 
I don't know that the, the Undisputed Era really needs to be in NXT anymore, and I would personally love to see them come up after Mania. Yeah, me too. Uh, I think Adam Cole definitely has a future. There's been all kinds of rumblings that Vince wants him up, but Triple H doesn't want to bring him up yet. Um, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do with the other three guys. Kyle O'Reilly and Roddy Strong are really talented workers, but they're shorter, and who knows what you know the main roster will think of that. Uh, it's already an uphill battle if you're under six foot on that on that product. Um, even then, you know, I was thinking Kyle O'Reilly and uh, Roddy Strong could probably stand to do single stuff in NXT still if they don't want to do Undisputed Era on the main roster. Yeah, I could see that. But I think Undisputed Era has a lot of potential on the main roster as a, a Nexus, NWO-style takeover situation. Um, and by takeover, I refer to <laughs> them trying to take the show over. Um, and I think if you... I mean, they'd probably end up on Raw just because it's a big angle. But I think if you were to put those guys on SmackDown with Adam Cole as like an, you know, uh, a ringleader type guy, um, there's a lot of value in that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the only issue is uh, we don't really see stables flourish on the main roster of WWE very often anymore. Yeah, that's true. But uh, as a as a general idea, I think it's pretty good. So, what would you give this match uh, out of five? You know what? I don't know. And I think we should we should do away with yeah? that. Yeah. I don't think we need to give these matches ratings by stars. I think we leave that to Dave Meltzer and uh we just you know, we just talk about the match and talk about how we feel about it. You know it. what? Sounds good to me. Cool. Alright, let's jump into the next match here. We had Matt Riddle defeating Cassius Ono via <laughs> submission. Um this was their third match since Matt Riddle's joined NXT. Uh, this was a hard-hitting affair. There was a gif floating around on the internet of of Cassius Ono booting Matt Riddle in the face with his goofy stoner expression. <laughs> <laughs> um, this match was very interesting. It kind of really showcased what M- Matt Riddle brings to the table, which I think is the point. Um, the end of the match had... Uh, Matt Riddle put him in a rear naked choke and then uh, just pummel him to death with a bunch of uh, knee strikes and palms until he submitted. Uh, I think this match was less than 10 minutes. What do you think of this match? Yeah, so this was one of the matches that I didn't care about as much. It didn't seem like the match had much heat. Um, The fans didn't feel like they were super into it. I think... Matt Riddle needs a, an opponent that uh, people care more about because we've seen Cassius Ono in this role, I feel like, several times at this point to where he's kind of just there to put someone else over. And the outcome is is known. You know, there is no, in my mind, no real danger that, he, that uh, Matt Riddle would lose. And for that reason, and for the reason that I just didn't overall think it was that awesome of a match, I wasn't too into this one. So there's a couple things here. Commentary mentioned that Cassius Ono was 0-4 at TakeOvers. Previously, he had lost to the Velveteen Dream to Lars Sullivan and, uh, let's see, who else did he lose? Oh, and and Matt Riddle. Then the other match was a 4-on-4 match. Um 
and he had lost two other matches against Matt Riddle on TV or that previous takeover. And what a way to undersell your opponent. And I wonder if the intent there was to be like, oh, he's going to get Matt Cashazone will get his win back, which is kind of WWE booking. You, you always get your win back if it's not like a top of the card match. But NXT doesn't really do that. NXT kind of has simple booking. And I think they really underscored or undersold rather uh, Cassius Ono's lack of effectiveness Uh, I think they need to do a better job of building him up if they are going to use him as an enhancement talent because I think you're right yeah I I definitely agree with that sentiment uh, 100% uh, however, I think it was a good showcase for Matt Riddle. I think the way he won the match was very unique, and you yeah. could tell this guy's going to be a major player in NXT. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The ending of the match was really cool. I just think that they need to they need to give Matt an opponent I care about. <laughs> what do you think of the new uh, the new nickname change uh, in the Indies? And when he first came in NXT, he was the King of Bros. Now he's the Original Bro. I don't get. <laughs> Why the change? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know. That's odd, but all right, fine. What do you original bro? Where does Matt Riddle go from here? You know what? As far as like an individual wrestler, I can't really call it. Uh, maybe a Velveteen Dream thing could be interesting, but they seem to be trying to do something else with the Velveteen Dream. So I really don't know. Um, I'm interested though. I'm not. Normally, I don't watch NXT too much because I don't care too much about what happens on the show itself. I just want to watch the takeovers. Uh, and then I try to catch up within the days, you know, the days before, uh, sort of binge it if I can. But Matt Riddle and where he goes is, is one of the things that I'm really interested to see as it relates to NXT. So I might tune in for that. Yeah, he he's extremely talented. Uh the, with a match like this, you would think maybe he would get a title shot, but everything seems a little frozen uh, until the Gargano Champa saga is able to resolve itself. So we'll, it's gonna, it'll right. be interesting to see where it goes. And speaking of Gargano, that leads us to our third match on the card. Unless there's anything else you want to mention about that match. Oh no, ready to move on. What a crazy match this third match was: Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet for, for, for the North American Championship. This was a match kind of to determine who's uh, Mr. Mister Takeover, basically. Uh, coming out here, Ricochet, uh, his outfit resembled uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Johnny Gargano resembled the Dark Phoenix complete with X-Men font on his, on his trunks. Uh, being that we're both comic book fans, how did you appreciate that, Sean? I actually didn't realize it. I thought it was, I thought Johnny was doing a Daredevil thing. Um, and it was actually you who uh, corrected me on that. So I, you know, I'm a massive Jean Grey <laughs> Phoenix fan. That's my favorite comic book character. Well documented. So, yeah, to see him, to know that that's what he was going for is actually really, really cool. And in general, I love the fact that he does it. Um, you know, Finn in the past uh, on the Indies primarily would do things like that too. Rey Mysterio, obviously very well known for his comic book inspired costumes at WrestleMania. So always love to see the intertwining of comics and and wrestling. Uh, My two favorite things coming together. And it's awesome that wrestlers like comic books as much as I do. Yeah. I I, uh, personally thought it was a human torch uh, costume at first. uh, Cause I thought, Oh, I guess he's like Johnny storm. Cause now he's an arrogant hotshot kind of thing 
but the Dark Phoenix uh, illusion makes sense, and I appreciate it quite a bit. This is not the first one he's done. He's been Punisher. He's been Star-Lord. He's been Captain America. Uh, he's been uh, Thor Ragnarok. So he's done uh, quite a few of them. Uh, I'm definitely appreciating Johnny Gargano's run right now. Uh, this match was insane. Uh, there was all kinds of flips and hard-hitting. There was a brain buster on the outside. Um, uh, there was... Uh, tons of submissions. Uh, Ricochet did his own Gargano escape on on Ricochet on on Gargano. Uh, that was really cool. I love when wrestlers are able to do each other's finishers in a match. Doesn't we don't get to see it very often. It was pretty common in the Attitude Era. Uh, at one point, Gargano pulls the mat outside the ring, uh, which has been kind of alluded to in his previous matches with Tommaso Ciampa. Um, there's shooting star presses that looked really gnarly. Um, at one point, uh, Gargano super kicked Ricochet outside the ring. Ricochet caught uh, Gargano get, uh, dive, and he turned and Gargano reversed it into a spiked Hurricane Rana on the hard part outside of the ring with a mat lifted up, and then followed up with a spiked DDT in the ring for a 2.9 count. That was bananas. Uh, eventually, the match ends um, with the. Uh, uh, the springboard spike DDT uh, after telling Ricochet that he was going to win uh, and now we have a new North American champion Johnny Gargano yeah what do you think of this match I I didn't think he was going to win I, I I thought hey there's more to do with Ricochet uh, let's you know keep a spotlight on Ricochet but at the very same time I had the thought of well Johnny kind of loses a lot at these takeovers. And I, I don't feel like he's a loser. I think that's because his matches are always phenomenal. And he always looks really strong. Um, but I felt like, man, this guy's kind of losing a lot. So it does make sense that he won. the mat- This was the best match of the night, I think. Um, I, in fact, I, don't, I personally don't think anything was close. I think they knocked it all the way out of the park. And it's cool how often Johnny Gargano can go out there and put on a classic. I mean, this is a match, you know, no, it's it's not as good as his match with Andrade, but I, I think that this match was was great, and it's the one we may be talking about at the end of the year. He's been on a streak. From for my money, he is the best wrestler in WWE right now. He's better than Rollins. He's better than Balor in, in terms of what he's producing, because this is a guy who's had three incredible matches with Champa. He had a match of the year last year for my money against Andrade Cien Almas. He had that awesome match against Aleister Black at the last takeover and now he's followed it up with this one. He's on a, he's ab- he's on an absolute tear right now. Yeah, 100% and, and obviously Ricochet is no slouch. The, the 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 thing that's also important about Johnny's matches is that he's having these matches with also tremendous wrestlers as well. So they deserve a ton of credit and Ricochet I never saw Ricochet before he came to WWE. So it's mind-blowing, some of the stuff that he can do. It's incredibly impressive, and not only is he good at wrestling, but visually the things that he does are unbelievable. There are guys who can do cool things in the ring but aren't necessarily great at putting it all together. Ricochet puts it all together. When he jumped over the corner in one bounce, that was insane. Yep. Feet didn't even touch the post. He just went over. Yeah, I'm giving all this praise to Gargano, but Ricochet is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's top five, top ten easily. Um, he 
he I think he's only scratched the surface of what he can do down there in NXT, and I'm really excited to see what he could do. When he signed with NXT, I thought this guy is going to be one of the next uh, NXT champions. He's it's an obvious one. This guy was as big as Prince Devitt, for, and for my money, when uh, he went there and later became Finn Balor. Um, but it also speaks to this dearth of talent in NXT right now. Yeah, <laughs> NXT is maybe somewhat argue overstuffed, but um, that doesn't take away at all from the quality of the matches, and this one was one of the best ever, I think. This is my favorite match of the weekend. Yeah. Um, actually, do I agree with that? That's something to think about. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, this was, yeah, for sure. And coming up next, we had a match that was very hard-pressed to follow it. We had Shayna Baszler, the NXT Women's Champion, defend her title against Bianca Belair. Uh, so this match was... I don't know where you could have put it for it to really shine, because having it follow the tag match, uh, that would have been really hard-pressed for it. Uh, and then having it follow this match that we just had, equally difficult. Uh, the story here is that Bianca Belair has been undefeated in NXT television, and this is her opportunity against Shayna Baszler, who's been treated as an absolute world builder in that division. Uh, however, uh, she's been getting a lot of outside help from Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke, two of the four horsemen from uh, uh, MMA. Uh, this match was really interesting because uh, Belair kept fighting through Baszler's submission move and kept kind of persevering through it uh, I think it really showcased her resilience and uh, she was able to use her hair as a weapon which has been sh- seen a lot on TV but as uh, Sean alluded to earlier a lot of people do, do not watch NXT television uh, and it left an actual scar like a cut on Shayna Baszler's midsection um, the other aspect of this is that in the pre-show uh, Sam Roberts kept saying that uh, Bianca Belair was not ready for this opportunity in the limelight. Uh, however, at the end, uh, she did uh, pass out in the uh, Karafuda clutch, uh, but she looked really strong in doing it. Uh, what do you think of this match? Yeah, this was my second favorite match of the night, believe Wow. Me. I really, really, really like this match. WWE doesn't always do a great job of showcasing their baby faces. In fact, that's a big time problem up on the main roster. But this was an example of how you can do that absolutely right and take nothing away from the heel. Shayna Baszler won. She looked great, like a million bucks, like she always does. But Bianca Belair, you know, they made a believer out of me. They made her look like someone who will not give up. They made her look like someone who's going to fight, um, you know, through any circumstances. Yeah, she is a novice. Yeah, she is new to the game, but she's improving. She's giving it her best. I love the touch of her, uh, of the, after the ref bump, she pinned Shayna Baszler and she didn't know what to do. That's what it's like when you're, when you don't know what's going on and you're new and you encounter something different. I like that she showed that frustration, but she had the grit to press on and figure out a way to continue with the match. And then when Shayna's cronies came out, Bianca was able to deal with that too. She did lose the match, but I think she looked like a million dollars doing it. Not just, victory and defeat. Not just that, but I 
I was exhausted too going in. I didn't have a ton of energy, but her fighting through each submission move, be able to find a way out of it, get up. At one point, she physically carried Shayna up uh, from it, just looking like just she would not go down. I bought into it. That was some true ba- like white meat baby face uh, energy there. Um, you got to think she's going to be the next title holder, but uh, I became a big fan of her just from this match alone. Yeah, likewise. Uh, I was already getting into her from some of the NXT episodes that I have watched, um, and this put it over the top. Uh, the only other person to fight through those submission moves was, I think, Ember Moon, and uh, not as many as, as Bianca Belair did. Um, I don't think Shayna Baszler is long for NXT. I think her main roster debut has got to be coming soon, probably after Mania. The main roster doesn't have a bully heel in the women's division. Uh, Nia Jax, I, kind of, but not really. Like she's she's not intimidating anymore because we've seen her lose to everybody, so her size advantage doesn't even matter. Shayna Baszler is cocky, arrogant, uh, disrespectful, but also very very good. And I think that the women's division on the main roster needs what she brings. She's very unique. She's got a unique look. Whether you like how she looks or not is irrelevant. And um, I think she can mix it up really well with a lot of the women that are up there. And this opens up a chance for the four horsemen versus four horsewomen match down the road. That's going to happen. They teased it this weekend. They teased it again on Monday night. That's happening. Uh, any other thoughts on the women's title match? Nah. Let's move on to the NXT championship between Aleister Black and Tommaso Ciampa. I was very excited for this match. I'm a huge Aleister Black fan, and I've been very immersed in Ciampa's title reign. Um, Aleister Black is undefeated one-on-one cleanly. No one's been able to cleanly beat him one-on-one. He's lost in some screwy matches, and I believe he's undefeated on takeovers. He's just been presented as an as a true powerhouse in that division in a way really no one has been portrayed as far as I can remember. Um, every other male in that division over the years is lost at some point going in. Uh, Black has been really treated as an elevated talent. Uh, the story of this match is that Champa kept concentrating and focusing on his on Alistair Black's left leg, uh, with you know hitting it into the ring step, stomping on it, uh, different submissions on it. Uh, but Alistair Black just kept fighting through it. The way he sold that leg, I thought was just exceptional. Uh, the end of the match had Tommaso Champa hitting three different fairy tale endings, which are his finisher. Um, and Black just kept powering through it. Uh, at one point, he went to hit the Black Mask kick, but his leg gave out, which ultimately sealed his fate. Uh, this was a long match, but I really liked it. I thought this was the second best match in the card. To me, this kind of punctuated Aleister Black's NXT career. It's time for him to come up. What do you think of this match, Sean? This was the other match on the card that I didn't like as much as everything else, believe it or not. Um, it felt slow. For a while, it felt a little slow, and I didn't feel like a ton was happening. I like Aleister Black a lot, and I like his offense. I didn't feel that him and Tommaso had the chemistry 
that I've seen Alistair have with other people and that I've seen Tommaso have with other people. It just felt like a, like an odd pairing. Um, to me, to me, I know that this match was popular. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of I'm going to hit 50 finishers. I don't really care for that. Uh, um, Ciampa hit, what, four fairytale endings? I think, I I think, think three. Three or four, whatever. That's a lot. Uh, I don't like it when Brock Lesnar does it either. I think finishers overall are overdone and supposed to end the match. One or two, okay. But once it gets above that, it's it's in goofy territory. Um, but you know, it was a good match. It, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any means. It just wasn't to me as great. I didn't feel as high about it as I did everything else that I saw on the show or the things that I really liked. I don't think NXT really has a history of of spamming finishers, as it were. Uh, this is the first match I can think of in a while where it required multiple finishers to put someone down. And really, for all intents and purposes, Aleister Black is kind of their undertaker. Yeah, uh, I, I guess. I mean, I see where you're going with that. I actually look at him more like a Sting type just because he's sort of an Avenger you sure. know, in the way that he... I almost feel like he should he should be the champion or leave. If he's if he's not going to win the belt and, and especially he didn't win it here, he should leave. And I think that's I think that's what has to happen next. I think he's got to go to the main roster. Yeah, I don't want to see him lose anymore. He I mean, it's not like he loses all the time by any means, but uh I think after he lost the title, he probably should have left. I I think it's time for him to come up. I don't know um, when they're planning that. I I don't mind him having maybe one more dream match on NXT TV. Um, I know Finn Balor had the dream match with Nakamura on TV before he came to the main roster. So if you want to have Aleister Black have a one-on-one match with Ricochet or something before he comes up, that's fine with me. Uh, But it's time. Yeah. So uh, that leads us to the ending here, where Aleister Black goes up to the top of the ramp and Johnny Gargano joins him, and the two former members of DIY celebrate holding all the single titles in the male division on NXT. What do you think of the way the show closed? Yeah, I thought this was actually really cool. It's just, like, on its face, it's cool. It's cool to see that they've both turned to the dark side, that, you know, Ciampa is this menace who has, you know, taken an individual who was a good man and corrupted him to the point where he's now, you know, just as bad almost as, uh, Ciampa is. Um, that's cool. It just doesn't, it's it's not exactly clear where they're going with this whole deal. I feel like it's going to end up with, um, Johnny Gargano turning again, but boy, is this story taking a while to get where it's going. I, you know, I'm not saying that you can't do long-form stories. I love long-form stories in wrestling. But I just wonder if the support will be there when he eventually does turn. And how long is it going to take before he can turn and have it not seem like he's just wishy-washy? The one thing a lot of people online were pointing out is that there is some subtle expressions on, on Johnny's face. Like, he kept looking at Tommaso's title. So there's people are already thinking the seeds of dissent have already been sowed. Uh, I'm really curious where they go. Yeah, it's certainly an unholy alliance and an uneasy alliance, and that's fine. It's not going to last. I think we all know that. 
But Johnny has to lose the belt, yeah. right? And then turn face. So he just turned heel. I would say his coming out party um, was tonight, although he's done some heel stuff in the past. Um, but that's a short turnaround. Yeah. Um, the moral of the story is here, they did it themselves. They did do it themselves. <laughs> all in all, I think it was a great show. I really enjoyed it. Um, they keep heading it out of the park. I can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, likewise. NXT is is where it's at. And, you know, if you're ever disappointed by WWE's main offerings, you can always count on NXT to bring it. So, outside of the six people they've called up and done nothing with, I do want to see Aleister Black, Shayna Baszler. Well, not Shayna Baszler yet, but I'd like to see Aleister Black and the Undisputed Era move up. I think it's time. I think you can bring all of those individuals up uh, after Mania. Yeah. So let's move over to the 2019 Royal Rumble. This show was uh, over seven hours. Uh, what do you think of the Royal Rumble match? Or the show, rather. The Royal Rumble show was one of the best shows that I can remember in a while to come out of WWE. I think last year's Royal Rumble was also good, but this was better. And uh, WWE Evolution was also really good but other than that everything's been either just bad or pretty hit or miss there haven't really been any shows that i can recall other than the ones i mentioned where it was just wholly good like overall good positive feelings and this was definitely that yeah and why because they gave us what we wanted (laughs) that's all that's all it takes imagine that listening to your audience Yep. So often in 2018, WWE has been obsessed with getting heat, which has been an issue in general in the last few years, is getting heat, getting heat with no payoff for the baby face, and it kills your product. Uh, when you let your faces have their payoff, the audience enjoys the product. Yeah, exactly, and and that's just not what they do. So often you just see the face get made to look foolish, and I'm over that. I really am. And and I, you know, I'm, when I'm at home, I enjoy, you know, Kevin Owens and the the heels, right? When I go to the show, I want to cheer for the person that everybody else is cheering with, you know, the face. I get into it as a fan, you know, just a fan, not back armchair booking, anything like that. And they don't give you things to cheer for a lot of the time. I just want to have a good time. And it's cool to see when the when the people who should win win. I agree with you. I think this is the best WWE pay per view I've seen in a long time. This might be the best one in a few years. I can't. I honestly, I don't even know what to compare it to in terms of recent memory. Um, top to bottom, it was a great it was a great show. Uh, only a couple blemishes, but we'll get into it. And uh, let's haste no longer. I missed the pre show because I was on my way to your house and I overslept and I forgot that the WWE. Big Four start at 7 and not 8 Eastern Standard Time. Um, so quickly, let's take us take me through it here. Uh, we had Bobby Roode and Chad Gable defeat Razor of AOP and Scott Dawson of the Revival. Uh, what do you think of that match? Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to rip right through these. This was nothingness. Uh, you know, it, it, it didn't make sense. I was very confused with this match. Uh, being a thing. Why are you teaming up Dawson and Razor? That's just odd. Uh, I understand that Akam was injured, but so what? Um, I don't care about Bobby Roode and Chad Gable 
congrats, they got another win. Fine. But I thought that this was going to end yeah. <laughs> months ago. Uh, the match was nothing to write home about. I really don't have anything to say about it because it was nothingness. Uh, you know, the people that I was with, you know, no, no one cared. It, you know, the, the crowd's not hot for it. There's not everybody's even in the audience at the time. It's just, just, just nothing. What, what do you think of Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Rusev to win back the United States Championship? So, this match was solid. It, it had a, you know, a screwy finish that played into the show later. A lot of people were upset or felt that it was, you know, too goofy. I like things like this. Um, so, you know, Lana, she gets knocked off the apron and, you know, sprains her ankle or whatever. It was obvious. You could tell from a million miles away it was going to happen. <laughs> but that's how they wanted to get Becky Lynch into the main event. And if you watch the pre-show, you got a little a little bonus in terms of seeing how seeds were being planted for later on in the night. I like that. Um, as for Nakamura winning the title, great. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't... It's it's it feels meaningless because they did nothing with him before when he had it, and they're unlikely to do much with him now that he has it again. I thought Rusev could do something with it, but I guess they disagree. We were both wrong in our prediction there. We both had Rusev retaining. I think everyone on planet Earth had Rusev retaining. It's very random that he didn't. And then we had the final match of the pre-show, the Cruiserweight Championship. Buddy Murphy retained his title over Hideo Itami, Akira Tozawa, and Callisto. What do you think of the... CWC match. Yeah, this was actually really good. Um, you know, you called it. You were very excited for this when we talked about the, you know, we did our predictions. And yeah, you you absolutely called that this was going to be a, a great match. It was. It's, you know, no surprise. The Cruiserweights put on great showcases and all of these guys are really good. So um, they didn't disappoint in any way. It took a while for the crowd to get into it. At first, they were sleepy, but these guys, they worked their asses off. And by the end of the match, everybody seemed to care. Um, and Buddy Murphy is good. I He changed a lot from, uh, I forget what the name of the team he was in, um, in NXT. But he has changed a lot and developed a lot. And it's been it's been cool to see. Uh, you picked Hideo to win, right? I did. I, I knew there was a possibility of Buddy retaining. I knew it was kind of one or the other, but I, I thought Hideo would win and Buddy would move on to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, so uh, Hideo didn't take it, but he did look good. Everybody looked really good. And I, I, I don't know, man. I can't bring myself to watch 205 Live. I watch enough WWE in my week. I'm, I'm capped out. But I like when I get to see these guys, and this is why I wish that they were just on Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, it's the best show no one's watching. It's one of the few shows I watch pretty consistently of the main of the of WWE. Uh, these guys can go. Uh, if they kind of did an old Nitro thing, where you know the first hour was all cruiserweights, it would really make Raw feel pretty distinct. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't need to be all cruiserweights necessarily, but I think. An expectation that you'll see a healthy amount of cruiserweight action that matters, as in give them storylines. Just make what you do with uh, the cruiserweights on 205 Live, do that on Raw. Raw is three hours. You can't tell me that there's no space for the cruiserweights. We don't need to see Braun Strowman in five segments. Maybe he could be in three segments, you know? (laughs) I mean, or two. 
Or worse, Baron Corbin in five segments. Oh my god. I actually um, had a visceral reaction to seeing Baron Corbin on, on Raw. I just, I just was so angry to see him. I need him off my television. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry to sidebar this, but uh, Raw just passed as well, and Baron Corbin beat Kurt Angle in a one-on-one match. I, I was angry. I, I was actually angry. It's just really frustrating that he continues to have a spot when he's bad. It's not just that he's... A, it's r- bad wrestling, whatever. He's fine on that front. He's okay. It's everything else. I don't want to see him anymore. They, they see him as a star, and he's just a guy. It's, yeah, he is just he is just a guy. It's, cra- it's crazy. Uh, so that concludes the pre-show. Uh, I haven't watched that last match yet. I uh, intend on doing so, though. Uh, let's go into the proper show here. And this is uh, around the time that I showed up at Sean's house to watch this pay-per-view. I missed the first match, watched it later, but we had the SmackDown Women's Championship, which had implications for the Women's Royal Rumble. Asuka, who is the champion, defeated Becky Lynch via submission. This match is crazy. It went a little over 17 minutes. There was a crazy spot outside where Becky Lynch hit the Bexploder off the barrier wall and Asuka countered it with an inverted suplex from the ring apron. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, there was a super backsploder from the top rope, which only got a two count. Um, and then the finish of the match was them just taking turns with submission holds. It kind of looked like an AJ Daniel Bryan match with the just the creativity of submissions. Uh, ultimately, Oscar countered uh, outside of the Oscar lock and created a reverse choke with a bridge to get the win. What do you think of this match? This was good. This was really really good. Um, I think. This is a match that a lot of people were not super hyped about because Asuka is being overlooked, but they delivered, I thought, big time. Asuka can go. She's been great. She's There hasn't been a point where she wasn't great. I just think that a lot of people you know, are more focused on what WWE is highlighting as the, the more important uh, storyline. But this was awesome. I think both women looked looked really good. The only thing that I questioned and didn't quite understand was the fact that Be- Becky should have lost. The right person won. Oscar needed a win. She needed a big time win. This gives her a lot of um, a lot of uh, forward momentum going into Mania. But I don't understand why Becky tapped. So yeah, going in in her prediction video, we both thought that Oscar would win in a screwy way or or she'd lose via DQ or something like that but Becky lost clean right it's it's odd and I it's not that I think that they wouldn't do this if Becky were a, a male because there's actually precedent for uh you know the guys losing when it doesn't it hurt them too much like Becky won the rumble how many people are gonna remember that she lost to Asuka um not many. It's fine. Austin lost to Triple H on the No Way Out before WrestleMania 17. So that didn't hurt him any. What was weird about it, I thought, was that she tapped. Because tapping out has a a meaning in WWE as sort of like, well, you gave up. Right. You know, you quit. And that's seen as negative. When, when Austin was at his peak, he never, his big thing with Bret Hart is he wouldn't tap out. Right, and well, they they never have the top guy tap out. That's just that just doesn't happen, you know. Can you think of any point in John Cena's time where he tapped 
ever. Well, other than when he was a rapper. I'm pretty sure Rock and Austin tapped a Kurt Angle, but that's because it was another top guy. Right, and and also, you know, at that time, it was there wasn't only one guy. Right, right. Um, so this is the only thing I can think of, and this is the only thing that makes sense, is when presumably Becky beats Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, you need to set up a path for more challengers outside of Charlotte. And this gives Asuka a very natural feud with Becky outside of WrestleMania. Well, then she's got to lose that belt and get to Raw. So I don't know how she's going to pull that one off, but... Yeah, I don't know, but that that's 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 what I'll, that's the only thing I could think of. That's like kind of long term booking, which WWE isn't really known for anymore. Well, yeah, you're right, but I think I do think that there's merit to what you're saying, and that it leaves a door open for later, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So fine, I'll take it. So this year, Sean, the bar lost to a uh, a kid, and lost to the boss's 49 year old son. It's a joke, isn't it? <laughs> Cesaro, who's one of the best wrestlers in the world, uh, and Sheamus, who's no slouch himself, lose <laughs> to the Miss and Shane McMahon, who looks awful. Shane McMahon always looks like he's on the verge of exploding when he does these matches. Like he just doesn't look healthy. It looks dangerous what he what he looks like. <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> so Sheamus hits Cesaro with a bro kick. Miz followed by hitting a skull crushing finale to knock Sheamus out of the ring. Uh, Shane McMahon stunned the audience by hitting a shooting star press from the top rope for the win. You, new tag team champions. Uh, the team of Shane Ms. McMahon. I don't even know what to call him, but <laughs> Ms. McMahon. Uh, yeah, fine. You know, I called it. It was obvious. Uh, they needed to keep this thing going. We understand that. That's what they're doing. They're setting up an angle for these guys in Mania. Great. Whatever. Uh, unfortunately, the bar has to suffer as a result. But to be honest with you, they're not. Their time is past them as a tag team. I think so you too. Know, I'm, it's time for them to end this anyway. It was a good experiment, though. It really had a, it had a shelf life, but it, it worked out. Yeah, it worked. It, it worked, but it's you know it's over now. Um, did you enjoy the match? No, I like the. <laughs> all right, moving on. I, I I like the shooting star press, but that's that's all. Yeah, you're right. Shane always looks like he's on the verge of death. Uh, my dude does not look good. <laughs> no. All right, let's talk about something that was good: the Raw Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey versus Sasha Banks. This match was crazy. Maybe the match of the night. I I don't know. It's this or uh, the Universal Title match. I thought, but this this was a hell of a match. Um. Everyone that we were watching with had a visceral reaction to the way Sasha Banks was bending Ronda Rousey's arms. Oh my god, that looked crazy, man. Oh, just imagining it now, it's, it was it was wild. Uh, this match made Sasha Banks look like a million bucks. It really did. I, you know, look, when we did our prediction show, I said that I was not super excited for this match because Sasha is often S- sloppy. You know, way too risky with her body and sloppy. Uh, she, this was tight. This was the best I think she's looked in ages. Um, and it felt like she was a threat to Ronda. It, it really felt like, oh, she can do this. You know, like in the back of my mind, I understand. No, it's not going to happen. But it felt like she could have, you know. They made me believe that. 
Yeah, well, I think in the I think I think in the prediction video or audio, you said that Ronda would lose. Okay, so I had an <laughs> insane theory, right? Um, and you know, I explained it there, but if you, in case you didn't hear, I thought that Oscar would lose to Becky, Sasha would beat Ronda, Ronda would enter the Royal Rumble, win it, and that's how they would get to Becky and Ronda at mania obviously things happen in the exact opposite <laughs> way which was my initial logic i must say in my defense that was my initial theory but i got hyped up I took you on a walk on this there. crazy idea <laughs> that ronda should be in the rumble and obviously that theory did not play well to my uh to my predictions but i i did that night that night when we were watching the Royal Rumble, i did predict yeah becky to lose and Ronda to win. This match was just short of 14 minutes. It had a bunch of reversals, uh, encounters, uh, tons of submissions that looked really painful. Uh, I'm a huge sucker for a match with really believable submissions because it just builds anticipation. It builds hype because uh, you don't know if they're going to tap or not or how it's going to be reversed into another submission. I love it. Uh, the, yeah. the match ends with uh, a... You know, a Piper's Pit slam with a bridge for the pin. I think Sasha looks great in defeat. I I have no idea what they're going to do with her going forward. Oh, she's going to become the first ever women's tag team champion. Probably, yeah, but you kind of almost feel like she should be doing more. Well, yes, but I think that the women's division is a place where there's only room for one storyline yeah. on either show. And, in fact, right now they're merging storylines so that the top story on Raw and the one on SmackDown is the same one. So there's just no room. And until there's a, you know, we're getting the tag titles now, until there's a second belt, this is how it's always going to be. I, I, so I meant to ask you after the SmackDown Women's Championship match, what's next for Asuka? Who does she go on to face at WrestleMania? And for me, I, the problem is they're on different brands, obviously. I want to see Sasha Banks versus Asuka. Yeah, I think that would be good, but I think uh, I think we're due for Asuka Charlotte round two. I think that's what we're going to get. Because they, look, we're, you know, Raw proved that Charlotte does not have any business in that match between Ronda and Becky. The promos between them, the storyline that they're telling, it's awesome. And they don't need Charlotte to be present in that for it to be a great main event. Let her have her match with Asuka and let Charlotte, you know, have another chance at the at, at the top spot another time. Right now, that's not the story. I 100% agree with you. It's evident that they should be doing Becky versus Ronda as the main event of WrestleMania. The problem is the dirt sheets are doubling down on this theory that the main event is still going to be this triple threat with Charlotte. Well, I saw what what appeared to be a uh, promo image for uh, Fastlane and it showed, or it may have been Elimination Chamber. Either way, both, those are both pay-per-views that are coming and it showed Charlotte versus Becky among other matches. Now, if Charlotte and Becky are having a match, my theory is that that match will be if Charlotte wins, she enters the match, the tri- and it becomes a triple threat. That's my that thought. makes sense. But that's that that sucks. Becky can't lose again. No, 
No, and there's no what what screw job finish could you possibly have? Why would Ronda get sure. involved in that? She doesn't want it to become a triple threat. I don't know. Yeah, you're 100 right. Maybe that's what they do though. I sure hope they don't. Yeah. I, I hope not, too. I think they should leave it alone, but I understand that Ron, uh, Charlotte is the crown jewel, especially with the rumors that Ronda will take an extended break. Yeah. I You know, that's how they feel. I don't know if they see Becky as the number one gun. Which is crazy. She's the hottest thing in the company. She sure is. Uh, was was this your match of the night? This uh, For a lot of people, the Sasha-Ronda match was their favorite match. Was it for you? Singles-wise, yes. Okay, yeah, I'm not kind of the rumbles, I suppose. Uh, so now we have the Women's Royal Rumble match. And we had the number one Sean's new girl, Lacey Evans, come out. Yes, Lacey Evans. Uh, I am I'm really into Lacey Evans. <laughs> I love what she brings to the table. She's so unique. I think her character is fun um, and different. And I, I mean, I entered the Solomon Monster, so Solomon Monster Sounds Off is a podcast that I really love, wrestling podcast. And on their Facebook group, they have a Royal Rumble pool where you can enter and you get a random number. And if you, if your number hits and you win, then, you know, you get a prize. Um, I drew number one. So I thought, well, for the Women's Royal Rumble, I'm probably screwed because they're not going to have Becky come out number one. But, because I thought Becky would win, but... For the men's rumble, maybe they'll do Seth Rollins. He is the Iron Man of the WWE. Well, we got Lacey Evans. I knew I was screwed at that <laughs> point. I tried to convince myself maybe she could win, but of course that did not happen. Uh, but it was still really cool to see them give her that spotlight position, which I think that number one typically is. Yeah, and she had a pretty good showing. I, I, I like how they're showcasing her, uh, which is in contrast to number two, Natalia, who came out, who was kind of the Iron Woman of this match. Didn't really do much for me. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> uh, number three was Sean's other girl, Mandy Rose. <laughs> yes, yes. Man- Mandy Rose is my He's girl. competing with, uh, for her with Corey Graves, of course. Yeah, well, Corey Graves doesn't have a shot. <laughs> number four was Liv Morgan, who got thrown out on her ass. Yeah, they did that to her on Monday, too. I wonder if that's a thing. They're just, like, throwing her on her tailbone. <laughs> yeah, and she's not gotten much back there. <laughs> that's all bone. That's all bone she's hitting. Uh, next was Mickey James, followed by her was Ember Moon, who supposedly got hurt uh, the, uh, during this match, I believe. I thought I caught that. I can't recall the spot, but I thought that there was a, a situation where it seemed like she might have gotten yeah, hurt. Yeah, th- she dislocated her shoulder or something. Uh, she's out for a couple months, I believe. That's a bummer. Now's not the time to be sitting on the sidelines. That's for sure. Uh, out next was someone who's not Sean's girl, Billy Kay. Oh, no. I do not like the Iconics. <laughs> I stopped liking them immediately upon them uh, getting to the main <laughs> roster, and I have not changed my mind. <laughs> she yells at the commentary she's not getting in a ring until Peyton Royce comes out. Uh, she eventually gets thrown in anyway. Following her was Nikki Cross. Uh, she's pretty hot right now. People seem to like her a lot. Are you a fan? She's fine. Um, di- again, she's different. I think the women's division needs more kinds of 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 women yeah. that have different gimmicks and and i and ideas behind them. And uh, among among other people, Nikki Cross is one of the standouts. I think. Uh, next was Peyton Royce, followed by my pick to win, Tamina. She didn't win. <laughs> Tamina. <laughs> it was close, you know. Um, she could have taken it at any time. 
Out next was Zia Lee, who they have, who they're promoting as the first Chinese woman in WWE. I don't think that's true, but uh, she had a pretty good showing. I think she was in the Mae Young Classic, the second one, followed by Sarah Logan. Uh, after her was one of the focal points of the Rumble, who had five eliminations. The Queen Charlotte Flair. Yeah, Charlotte had. I mean, she was most people's favorite. You know, those of us who are not bold enough did not choose Becky because she wasn't <laughs> in the match. Um, but I think the conventional wisdom in all seriousness was that Charlotte would win and that Becky would find another path yes. into what was believed and still by some is believed to be a triple threat. So makes sense. And they made her look great. She looked like a million dollars, especially towards the end. Her and, you know, we'll get to it, but she looked fantastic. I, I believe I had her as the winner of the Rumble for my prediction uh, last week. Out next was Kyrie Sane. She had a really great exchange with Charlotte Flair. In general, Kyrie Sane had a really good showing in this Rumble, too. Yes, she certainly did. And uh, that was something that both Royal Rumbles did really, really well, was showcasing NXT stars. Yeah. They put them over. They really It's not a situation where they came in and got dumped. We talked about this on the pre-show. I said that I felt like they needed to stray from the idea of just having legends come right. back. Because they did that last year with the women's match. Let's put the spotlight on new talent. And they 100% did that. And they made it a situation where if you're not familiar with these people, there was something that each one of them did, I would say, that would make you want to follow them. Or make you remember them when they come to the main roster. And that's broken. Except for the person who came out next who was already on the main roster, Maria Canellis. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's, uh, she's not someone whose future they're very concerned with. I'll say it that way. Followed by Naomi, who did the Kofi Kingston spot again this year. Uh, she walked on the barricade and hopped onto the steps. So when, when, we, when we talked about the Royal Rumble last week, I said that... The Kofi Kingston spot has become a thing where they just get they do their thing and they just immediately get eliminated. And that's a it's, it's a pure comedy yeah. spot anymore. And they did it with they did it with Naomi and they did it with Kofi. Uh, Naomi instantly got eliminated here by Mandy Rose. And then Kofi in the men's rumble did hit did his spot. He got two spots, but after the second one, he instantly got taken out. The only person they didn't do that to who did one of these spots was uh, what's her name? Kat- Casey Catanzaro. Casey Catanzaro. There you go. From American Ninja Warrior, who had an incredible showing for a person neither of us had any familiarity with. Oh, she was fantastic. I can't wait to see more of yeah, her. Yeah, she looked really entertaining out there. Yep, and again, different. Uh, Personality-wise, I don't have a clue what she's about. I, I have a, sus- I, a suspicion she's probably just a white-bred, yeah. you know, every girl. But... What she can do with her body and her look makes her stand out. After Naomi was Candice LeRae, who uh, just has a natural ability to kind of get over with the audience because she's another NXT talent that people don't know, but it's that Johnny Gargano effect. People just seem to root for them without even knowing anything about them. She's likable, and uh, I'm surprised that they don't use her more yeah. in NXT, but I'm not sure I why. think that's coming. Just, they're taking their time. They took their time with Johnny, too. Johnny's been in NXT for like three years. That's true. Yeah, and at first, I you know, I was whatever with him, but they turned they turned the corner on him, so we'll see. Out next was the other person who just slowed the entire rumble to a halt, Alicia Fox. <laughs> 
she's got to have a spot in these. She has to have a spot in these. But uh, she's one of those entrants that feels like an entire waste. Yeah. You know? uh, her and Maria had an exchange where they wore, wore her Alicia's hat and then Maria stomped on it, didn't really hurt it. It just was nothing. Crowd didn't care. Yeah, this was... Yeah, this was odd. It's one of those one of those spots that doesn't make any sense, but you kind of just go with it. Rumbles have them every now and then. But the one thing I will say is that it didn't last forever. Right. For sure. Out next was Casey Catanzaro, who we mentioned had a great showing. Out next was Zelina Vega, who came out wearing a costume of Vega from Street Fighter, which I know was up Sean's alley. My girlfriend gave me a look I thought because of the way that I reacted to this. Uh, it was just, it was awesome. I really liked it. I'm a big fan of Vega, and I'm a big fan of Vega. Yeah, now she's the subject of Hornswoggle's affection. <laughs> this was funny. This is an example of a comedy bit gone right. Hornswoggle or Zelina Vega was under the ring and, you know, she was like not going to get in and she was going to wait, you know, which we've seen a lot of people do. The way they made it unique was that she was popping her head out every now and then. And then she popped her head out once and Hornswoggle was there. And so she ran in the ring and got dumped out. And that was all, you know, Hornswoggle didn't overstay his welcome. She took her loss and left. And that's it. Nice little, little comedy spot. Our next was Ruby Riot. She uh, and the other members of the Riot squad ran... Roughshed eliminated Kyrie Sane, and that led to Io Shirai coming out. Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of the Riot Squad. I think Ruby Riot has a lot of potential. Uh, Sarah Logan, I don't care about much, but Ruby Riot, I do like, and I like the fact that the women have a stable that can do damage. You know, um, I'm surprised though that Ruby Riot wasn't given more. Yeah. Uh, then Dana Brooke came out. She didn't really do too much. Uh, Rhea Ripley came out, though, from NXT UK, first ever NXT UK Women's Champion, and she had a phenomenal showing. She's going to be somebody. I mean, she already is somebody, but main main roster-wise, I think she'll be somebody because she she's different. She had three eliminations. Three eliminations, and, you know, that may not sound like a big number, but when you consider that the winner of the Men's Royal Rumble only had three eliminations, you know, it it puts things in context. She did great. Really, really great, and she looked great, and I think that you got to showcase these people. You know, you've got to put them on a stage. They have the luxury. It's like if if you could bring in the main star of an indie somewhere, right? And what it would do to bring them in and showcase them on the Royal Rumble. You know, it's like, oh, I want to see that guy. Well, WWE doesn't do that because that guy works somewhere else. But now WWE has all this talent who when you say you want to see that guy, you want to see that girl, you have to go to the network. That's right. Brilliant. Out next was Sonya Deville, formerly of uh, Paige's stable, Absolution, still with Mandy Rose kind of. Uh, out next was Alexa Bliss, who got a massive pop. One of the loudest pops of the night. She's a star. She looks pretty good in there, too. She sure did. She gets a lot of criticism for not being a good wrestler. And uh, to be honest, I really do not think that that matters. I think that she's got a personality that people like. Her character is phenomenal. She's good on the mic. 
she has everything she needs to have. Whether she's putting on five-star matches or not is irrelevant because a lot of what makes wrestling work happens off happens outside of the ring. She had a pretty good moonsault double knee spot on Ember Moon, too. That was uh, pretty impressive. Was that deliberate? I have no idea. <laughs> that looked a little bit... Uh, <laughs> that looked like a bit much. She actually sent out a tweet saying, uh, EB, I'm sorry. And it was a, a shot of the double knee spot. Which know. is maybe what dislocated her shoulder? I have no idea. That was my thought, though. I don't know either, but my, I thought, oh, that 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 hurt. She's in pain. Um, out next was Bailey. She got a pretty loud pop too, which is in contrast to last year, where no one cared that Bailey came out like twenty nine or whatever. So uh, happy for Bailey. She had a pretty good showing too. That was sad uh, last year, um, but I think you're right. She did have a good showing, and I I like Bailey. I want them to give me a reason. Yeah to get behind her in a real way. Absolutely. Just hasn't really happened. Out next was Lana, who didn't really quite make it to the ring. All the while, Nia Jax came out, attacked her, I think, if, I'm re- if I remember correctly. She sure did. Uh, and then Carmella came out. And uh, that was it for the Royal Rumble. Nothing else happened. Yeah, ho-hum. You know, nothing special. Oh, wait, Becky Lynch came out. <laughs> she was able to convince Fit Finley. I don't know why he's in charge of this, this decision. Uh, appeal to her fellow Irish person to let her into the Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. A bit of Irish pride going on. <laughs> uh, since when Since when is it that Fit Finley can make matches? I have no idea. I didn't know he had the authority. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. He's the Grand Commissioner of the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, so let me ask you this question: We both understood that Becky was. I think everybody understood that Becky would be in the match at that point. Do you think that the way they did it was right, though? Did you? How, did you have a problem with the way that they got? Her so in? I was thinking about that too. Now the crowd was hot for it, and there was certainly that aspect because as soon as Lana came out and she was limping, the crowd was checking for chanting for Becky. However, Becky's a baby face. And she lost clean in her first match. And she was able to basically beg to be put into the match for an opportunity. That's not a very babyface thing to do. It isn't, but I don't think she is a babyface. I think she is something that we've not quite seen before. Uh, she's very, very much it's uh, a tweener. Yeah. And more than Stone Cold was, because Stone Cold had morals and code that he stuck to and Becky doesn't seem to have that she's just doing what she has to do for herself and to make herself the the man and I like that so I don't I don't I don't mind they could have just as easily said you know all right Lana's out because of an injury that happened earlier and you know we don't know what's going to happen with her spot you know they could have had whatever announcer say that Right, and then Be- um, Becky comes out at her spot, but I don't think that was necessary. I think what they did is just fine. I like angles in the middle of the rumble. I really do. Yeah, and we both were worked by the final two, final three of Nia Jax, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch. Were A little we? bit because we we thought Becky would win, but it, a point came where Nia Jax pushed oh, yeah. her off the ring steps after she was eliminated 
And it really seemed like for a minute Charlotte would win because there was a distinct possibility yes. of that. Yes, now I remember what you're talking about. I think that that was awesome because it, it put Becky in this position of, well, she's in the land of the Giants, right? And then she manages to get Jax out, but then she gets hurt. So now she's at a disadvantage against arguably the best woman in the company. Um, and Charlotte was laughing and loving it, which was very healish right. of her, by the way. And to see their faces... You know, when it was clear that Becky was going to fight on. And Charlotte looking so mean. She's got a great face when her makeup is smudged. And she's pissed and enraged. And I was so ready to see them go uh, blow for blow and see who would win. And Becky came out on top. She won. The audience went crazy. But ultimately, the right person won. Yeah, I totally agree. I don't think Charlotte needed it. Um, and... Uh, Becky moving on to what presumably will be the main event of WrestleMania. How'd you like this rumble? thought this was great. I thought it was better than last year's. Uh, I predicted it'd be worse than last year's, and I'm happy to be wrong, or at least I feel I was wrong. Lots of people have commented about how predictable it was, and, you know, they're tired of Becky. Well, I'm not. And predictable is good. I've been watching wrestling for 20 years. There are very few things that they can do that will surprise me because nothing is new under the sun. But just because it's predictable doesn't mean it's bad. In fact, I don't believe in the swerve. I can't think of many swerves that were good. You know, most of the time it's silly, especially in WWE. They're not very good. (laughs) And I don't watch wrestling outside of WWE, so I don't have experience with swerves other than what they do here. And it doesn't work. So I'd rather them just play it safe and tell good stories. Yeah, WWE has a bad history of trying to swerve the audience. And the reality is uh, predictable isn't bad. I think wrestling storytelling is at its best when it's done simply because ultimately these are just stories about people fighting each other with grudges. Yep, simple is good. Um, I also really like this Rumble. I also thought it was better than last year's, and I also thought that this year would be worse than last year's. I don't know how you could be tired of Becky. Her story is only just beginning. Um, it's only a few months old. It'd be It's insane to me to be tired of something that quickly in this landscape. Um, she's the hottest thing in WWE for good reason. She's a great wrestler, she's great in the mic, and she has a lot of personality. I'm under the impression that fans just don't want to enjoy WWE. Fick all. Because, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, you know, everybody wanted Becky to get over and, you know, be popular. She gets it. Now people are tired of her. Really? This is what we're doing? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know who they want them to push instead. Um, but the show goes on. We have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE Championship in the death spot. And these guys wrestled a very technical match that I was really enjoying. But you know, everyone else in the room was on their phones because they're tired from that Royal Rumble match. They were put in the death spot. And I think they knew that they were in the death spot. I think they sl- deliberately worked a slower style match uh, but it never built up to where it had to be. But I think that's because of the ending. Because the ending was terrible. The ending saw a ref bump and Eric Rowan, of all people, come out and choke slam AJ Styles for the pin. What do you think of this match? And more importantly, what do you think of this ending? In no way do I blame 
the spot for the reaction to this match. I'm just going to be honest. I think that they flat out had a boring match. And I think that there's a feeling among fans that that's impossible because they're two of the greatest wrestlers ever. Uh, and you expect that when they get in the ring, it's going to be bananas. But it just wasn't. And this is something that I've been struggling with for a while. And I'm finally turning on the corner on the thought that, you know, WWE has some of the best wrestlers on earth. But a lot of times when these guys get in the ring, there's nothing there. They had a technical marvel and nobody cared. And I don't think that you can just put that on the spot that they were in because the cruiserweights had a dead crowd and turned everyone over by the end. And yeah, the match did have a screwy finish, but it wasn't the very end of the cruiserweight match that people were into. They got into it because the guys made them care. And these two didn't do that. I just didn't care. I I think, though, with the ending they had, that extra gear never came because what? who cares? Eric Rowan came out. I said this to you guys in the room. It felt like when you're playing a 2K game and a random guy just comes out. I used the example of, of Primo just coming out. What's Primo doing out there ringside? Because that's what Eric Rowan is here. Who cares about Eric Rowan? Yeah, fair enough, but if it, it first of all, this wouldn't be the first time that a heel wrestler gets a stable. Sure. And so, look, there was never going to be a clean finish to this match. That's just not going to happen. They're not going to have Daniel Bryan tap AJ, and they're not going to have AJ just pin Daniel Bryan. It's not going to happen. So if there's an angle going forward with Bryan where he's going to have a stable, you got to start it sometime. So to me, that doesn't matter as much. I've seen a million great matches that had a screwy finish. It happens all the time. There's no excuse for two guys this good to go in and put on that match on this show. I just don't buy it. I, I like the match. I thought it was a very good match. Uh, I was let down by the ending because I don't I, I don't like screwy finishes in general, uh, especially on a big four pay-per-view, but this one was especially bad. It, I, I'm sure they have an opportunity to explain it away tonight on SmackDown, but uh, I already have a bad feeling about the direction this is going. You honestly think that they went out there and had a great match that would have been that everybody would have loved if it had come before the women's Royal Rumble. You really think I do, that? yeah. I do think that. I think they were put in a death spot. I don't think anyone was gonna be able to follow Becky Lynch like that. Um I, I, I think I think it was hopeless. So all those rest holds and submissions and all that that didn't bother Because you. in the first match we had excellent rest holds and submissions as well. It, it depends on and did it with the follow up match with Ronda Rousey and Sasha. The audience has to be invested in it. They have to be awake for it. The audience put in a lot of energy for Becky Lynch winning the Royal Rumble, and it needed a recovery time. And I think a lot of times our opinions of wrestling matches are shaped by the crowd. There's a reason why a lot of people don't watch 205 Live is because it doesn't have an audience. And I think there was just they had a real uphill battle. I think both these guys are capable of pulling an audience out of it, but I don't think it was ever given that chance to reach the extra gear. They didn't choose to. And when you talk about... Um, when, you, when you talk about... Rhonda and and Sasha and Asuka and Becky, those women did really cool things. 
Like watching Ronda ragdoll Sasha, watching Sasha look like it, she was breaking Ronda's arm. Those were things that felt cool and, and drew attention. I don't remember anything that happened in the Daniel Bryan AJ match because it was all rest holds, it felt like, and kicks and things like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, where do you think the main title, where do you think this WWE title is going to go from here, especially WrestleMania? <sighs> I really don't know. It's, it's clear, based on what happened on Raw, that Seth is not challenging Daniel Bryan for the belt. I don't think he ever was. But with that being said, I don't see a scenario where AJ Styles gets another shot at Mania at you know to face Daniel Bryan. So, I don't know, man. I really do not have a single clue. That makes two of us. I have no idea what you're going to do with him. Maybe they'll put him in a multi-man match? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that leads us to the Universal Championship match between David, Finn Balor, and Goliath, Brock Lesnar, and a match that was about eight minutes long. Uh, this match I really, really liked. Uh, the big story here was that Brock didn't take Finn seriously, and Finn pushed Brock into the corner of the announce table, and he began selling his abdomen with the history that Brock has with diverticulitis, um, and it really made seem it made Finn seem like he had a chance to win. In fact, he hit his finisher at the end, and it really seemed like that was going to be the match. But immediately after the two count, Brock reversed it and countered it into a Kimura lock, which caused Finn to tap out in the center of the ring. What do you think of this match? This was great. It upended the formula that we're used to, and that formula is that Brock is the person who gets the first offense and then, you know, takes a bit of a beating and then hits the F5 and, and wins. They gave Finn something that they don't give these guys often. This match felt very much in Finn's favor the entire time, and it really uh, underscores the idea and propels the idea that if Finn Balor had been the demon, he would have won. And you mentioned it last night, and I agree that I wish they had done more to showcase that or, or speak on that to sell that idea through uh, commentary. But I think that that's true. I think that that's true, and I think that that's something that they wanted us to think about. I I, I think that they made Finn Balor look like $100 million Awesome to see Brock Lesnar give that much away. The beatdown after the fact was done, in my mind, simply because Brock was embarrassed by what happened to him, that he almost lost to a smaller guy and he needed to prove that he's the man. That looked bad. That made him look bad, in my mind. Not in like a meta sense, but in storyline sense. Um, and I think that uh, the... My hopes are high for Finn Balor's future. So I like to beat down after the match at first because I thought, like, you know, maybe this could lead to a demon thing. And this gives Finn motivation to rematch with Lesnar. My issue is that that doesn't seem to be the follow-up. So Finn comes out on Raw and he says, oh, the be the bigger guy won. And he cuts such a mid-card type promo here. He basically talks like, well, Brock was bigger and I couldn't get it done. Whereas... 
if he was like a top guy, he would have made his excuses and he would have been setting up for a rematch. And I think it would have been a much more compelling story to basically have him and go up to Seth and be like, no, I need to face Lesnar again. Not that it would have happened, but it would have made Finn look better. And now he's immediately back down the mid card facing Bobby Lashley for an intercontinental title match, which isn't in a vacuum bad, but I don't like the way it followed up after this match. The problem with this whole thing and evaluating where it's going to go is that WWE has two more pay-per-views before WrestleMania, and they have to set things up for those pay-per-views. In years prior, the pay-per-view following the Rumble was typically No Way Out, in which they would carry over feuds that started in the Rumble or that were needed to end before WrestleMania. That was a common thing. Well, now, not only do they have that, but they also have um, uh, Fastlane. And I'm sorry, it's not No Way Out, it's Elimination right. Chamber that's next. So so it's Fastlane and Elimination Chamber. So they have to book two pay-per-views before WrestleMania. If Finn Balor is not fighting Brock Lesnar, there's no time to waste to set him up with someone else. Well, I, it certainly feels like the Mania program for Finn at this point is Bobby Lashley or whomever for the IC Championship. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the audience was red hot for Finn. He had multiple chances throughout the night in that match for him to win. Audiences wanted to see it. I I appreciate the long-term storytelling of, of Seth Rollins beating Lesnar. Uh, there's a lot of angles there, and they've been kind of building to it for a few months. Uh, but with regard to this kind of last-second Finn thing, I feel like he should be involved in some capacity on the road to Mania at least. It's hard to do that when your champion doesn't fight. He d- Brock Lesnar's not going to be at those pay-per-views. I know. So what can you do? And now he's going to face the Almighty. That's right. Uh, but I thought this was the match of the night. I actually really liked this one. Uh, eight minutes was enough time for me. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, look. Um, AJ and Daniel Bryan had a 20, I believe it was 24-minute match. In my opinion... If you cut that in half and let them get their most exciting stuff in and have three minutes of rest hold and whatnot, again, as opposed to half the match or more being that, that's a very different match. Brock Lesnar matches are exciting because they're short and they get to the point. And you cut out all the middle stuff that inevitably has to happen because two guys cannot go hard for 20 minutes. You don't see that often. Yeah. And that brings us to the men's Royal Rumble match. Uh, starting off, just screeching the show to a halt, we had Elias and Jeff Jarrett come out. Boy, I actually really hate Jeff Jarrett's old music. That, <laughs> um, and that J-E, double F, all that crap. Um, I I really could have done without this. Um and it took so long. When you're when you're six hours into a show and it's eleven p.m., you don't want to see this. This was ridiculous. However, the audience was going crazy. Yeah, hey, they're the ones that are there, sitting in there, sit, sitting on their hands for all that time. So if they're into it, what can I say? Uh, though following them was Shinsuke Nakamura, last year's winner, who was not in there for very long. No, and you knew he wouldn't yeah. be. It's it's unfortunate, but at least he was in the Rumble. I hate it when former winners aren't in the Rumble. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Out next was your boy, Kurt Angle. 
Yeah, uh, it's been a while since we've seen him. Well, we saw him in the greatest Royal Rumble, but in a proper Rumble. It's been a while. And I did not need to see this. Uh, I really wish that they would keep Kurt Angle special. Let him get in shape. Let him get healthy. Keep him off the road if you're not going to use him for anything special. His appearances should mean something. He came out, and he got his pop, and he got eliminated by Nakamura, and that was it. Yeah, uh, unnecessary. Our next was Big E. Uh, he didn't really do very much. This was stupid. Big E is just so good, and I don't understand why he can't even get a showing in the Rumble. There's, I don't know, man. There's something going on there. I saw a, a an image, you know, and I, I'm not one to really make things about race ever, but I saw an image that showed, f- like, five black wrestlers, and it was like, would would you believe that these five people didn't even weren't even in the rumble for a combined twelve minutes? Yeah, um, and I was thinking about it. Other than The Rock, has there ever been a Black Royal Rumble winner? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't even think other than Rock, there has ever been a person to hold the WWE title that's black, like the proper WWE championship. I am fairly confident that that has never happened. I don't know, man. Don't like it. Yeah, so here it is. It's it's Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, Xavier Woods, Titus O'Neil, and um and uh Naomi. And those five people didn't even last 12 minutes. Yeah, something screwy there. I've always thought there was a kind of a weird racial thing going on with Vince yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I understand Titus O'Neil. That's a that's a joke, sure. but you know, Lashley's is, is uh you know he's supposed to be promoted. Even uh, Shelton Benjamin, I can uh, kind of give you too. Yeah, Naomi is supposed to be serious. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. So after that, we got a great showing from NXT North American Champion Johnny Gargano in his first ever Royal Rumble. Yeah, this was really cool. This was this was a great surprise, and um, you know I talked earlier about bringing NXT guys up and letting them show their stuff, and it was cool. He did not get to eliminate anyone, uh, but I liked the way he was eliminated. I thought it was neat. He uh, did his slingshot spear, was countered into a Dirty Deeds by Dean Ambrose, and that's how he was eliminated. I kind of liked that. That was cool. But it was just it was cool that he was there. Uh, after that was Jinder Mahal, your boy. Uh, after that was Samoa Joe, <laughs> who kind of figured into the story of the Rumble a bit because of his stuff that he's got going on with, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Ali. Ali. Yeah. So that that was cool, and he had a pretty good showing. Yeah, um, I, I like Samoa Joe in a Rumble. He's one of those guys who maybe uh, maybe you don't believe he'll win. But he always feels like a factor. He had three eliminations, like too. This. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I like him in this. I, I think he had a good showing. And, you know, he looked like a beast, like he should. After that was my pick to win. Didn't win. Kurt Hawkins. was a little disappointed. Thought that was going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> After that, the Royal Rumble was burned down because Seth Rollins came out and then was promptly arrested for arson. Fortunately, he came back to win. You know what? It's about time that someone... Uh, takes this guy out of the equation unfortunately the uh the police station that they brought him to was actually across the street from the rumble event so he was able to sneak out and go go win and then now he's on the run 
He's going to be on the run all the way to Mania. After that was Titus O'Neil. They, lo- they loved playing up the spot from the greatest Royal Rumble where he slid under the ring. Uh, Titus World Slide, as they've been calling it. <coughs> <laughs> he went under the ring to find uh, Kurt Hawkins, who was hiding in there. It was a good little comedy spot. They didn't really play on it too long, so it kind of worked out. I have to I have to stop real quick because no one's going to understand that joke I just made. <laughs> In WCW, Goldberg got arrested <laughs> for harassing uh, Elizabeth, Miss Elizabeth, and they took him to jail, but the jail was across the street <laughs> from the venue, <laughs> so it made no sense because it took him all night to get back. He, he They let him go, and they, we saw them let him go, but it took him all night to get back, so he missed the main event. He had a, he had a um, hard time getting back yeah. in the building. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, after that was Kofi Kingston, as mentioned previously. He had his two spots. Uh, kind of looks like he messed them up. Maybe his feet touched the ground. They never replayed them. Not sure. Didn't go back to check it out. Yeah, it's a shame Kofi's just kind of played off as a joke at this point in a lot of ways. Yeah, I remember like the first time he did that. Uh, I thought, oh my god, maybe he'll win now. Yeah. You know. Uh, and ever since. I mean, not ever since the very, very first time, but for a while since then, it's just been a joke. It's you know they eliminate him straight after. It's a meme at this point. You can all you always know when he's getting eliminated based on when he does his spot. Out next was uh, white hot babyface Mustafa Ali. He had a nice little central role in here. That was nice. Dean Ambrose came in after that. Uh, he was in there for a while. No way Jose came out with a Congo line. He's he's the new Adam Rose. Uh, he was promptly thrown out, and then he was followed by Drew McIntyre, who began to beat him up and a lot of his uh, Congo line. Drew Drew, <laughs> Drew McIntyre figured very prominently in this Rumble. I think he was in the final four. Yeah. Yeah, but I believe so. He had a good showing. Uh, he eliminated only three people. Wow, I thought it would be more than that. Well, only what? Only one person eliminated more than that, which was no, two people did. No, Drew Drew eliminated four people. Was it? And <clears throat> Braun eliminated five. Okay. Um. After that was Xavier Woods, who was who came in and he was eliminated pretty quickly himself. Uh. After that was Pete Dunne who uh, also had a great showing. Yeah, um, I was really, really happy to see him. I'm a huge Pete Dunne fan, and it was cool that he got a showcase here. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of Pete Dunne. Uh, I think he has a natural charisma about him, and he looked great. Uh, After that was Andrade Cien Almas, now only known as Andrade. Yes, indeed. Uh, A guy who I think is on the rise. I think that Good things are going to happen for him really soon. He was in this match for quite some time, so that's cool. But uh, wasn't able to go all the way this time. I'm pretty sure he was eliminated by uh, Randy Orton last year, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe he got revenge on him. Uh, Yeah, he did. He did eliminate Randy Orton. So there was a little bit of retribution in that regard. After him was Shelton Benjamin, as the Usos would say. Yeah. Uh, then there was Apollo Cruz and Alistair Black, who had a phenomenal showing. Alistair Black was was great. It was cool to see him. He wasn't in the ring for too long, just six minutes, but I enjoyed what he did while he was he there. He had his finger dislocated by Pete Dunne. He popped it back into place and eliminated Dean Ambrose with his black mask kick. Did he eliminate he Dean did. Ambrose? He did. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So he had a great showing himself. After that was Baron Corbin. Nothing more needs to be said there. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jeff Hardy came out next. Got the crowd a good a good pop there. He's always over. Uh, then there was uh, another <clears throat> contemporary of his, Rey Mysterio, who also got a big pop. Everyone loves Rey Mysterio. They sure a do. A far cry from the Daniel Bryan, the year Daniel Bryan uh, did not win a Rumble. <sighs> That's one of the saddest moments in Russell, or Royal Rumble history, the reaction that he got. After that was Bobby Lashley, who was in the, in the ring for like 30 seconds and promptly was eliminated. 13 seconds. There are a lot of people who believe that that was a botch. He was actually supposed to stay in sooner. When I saw it, I said it was a botch. Um, but I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, uh, that was really odd. He then used the opportunity to, you know, body, uh, you know, body uh, Seth Rollins. So I guess that was the point. But I'm not sure. Yeah, it was strange. After that was uh, the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, who had five eliminations and cleared the ring as you kind of expected him to when he came in. As he should. He's a big guy and. Uh, He's a top guy, so yeah. he should he should have the most eliminations in a match like this, and he does. After that was a mild surprise. Dolph Ziggler showed up. He kind of worked everyone again, saying he wouldn't be there, and he showed up. Uh, I don't know. He eliminated one person. He eliminated McIntyre, so I guess they're doing that story still. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. The Dolph Ziggler saga is just never-ending and ever-boring. Yeah. Uh, it is... I am so beyond over this whole deal with him. The will he, won't he? Is he going to leave? You know, are they trying to phase him out? I don't care yeah. anymore. Whatever. After that was Randy Orton, who you can always... You made this point when we watched the Rumble together. You never know if Randy Orton's going to win or not, because it's always believable. Yes. Yeah. I think Randy Orton is one of those guys who could win any year. You can never count him out. They mentioned it, that if he were to win, he would be the only other person who's won three Royal Rumbles. And I don't see that being a distinction that they would want to keep from him. Uh, I also do think it's cool that Austin is the only one who has done that. But like I say, I think that he could easily win another Royal Rumble before he retires. After that was R-Truth, who was quickly dispatched for Nia Jax, who came out. Okay. Uh... (laughs) This isn't the first time that a woman has entered the Royal Rumble match, and I've never had a problem with it before. I mean, in the sense that it was a wasted pick, I had a problem with it, but I never felt like, oh, they have no right to be competing in this match. Um, Was she ever going to win? Obviously not. People had issue with the fact that the men sort of, you know, beat her up a little bit. And I don't get that at all. This is the WWE. Everybody wants equal opportunity. She got in the ring with the guys. She threw her weight around. They threw her ass She got RKO'd and 619 and eliminated by Rey Mysterio. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Beth Phoenix entered the Royal Rumble. She got taken out. China entered the Royal Rumble. This is nothing new. Karma entered the Rumble. I don't see why it's different because Nia Jax got hit with an RKO. We had our final three, which were Dolph Ziggler. Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins. We had a great end of the match where uh, Strowman and Rollins are on the side of the ring, and Strowman gets run into the ring post and quickly curb stomped outside of the ring. And our winner is Seth Rollins. Yeah, this was the exact right outcome. You know, I think a lot of people thought that Braun would win because they 
inserted him into the match via John Cena spot. And obviously we learned earlier on in the month that the reason that they canceled the match between Braun and Brock is because they don't want Braun to lose to Brock Lesnar. So, you know, conventional wisdom is, okay, they're saving that loss for Mania. But in fact, they're not. They simply just didn't want him to lose to protect him. Um, Seth Rollins has been WWE's Iron Man. He's been WWE's workhorse. And I think that it's time to finally strap a rocket to his back as a face and see what this man is made of. Last time he was top dog of the company, he was a chicken shit heel who always won in a dirty way. Uh, now is the time for him to be the top face and see what he can do with it. Yeah, I am with you on that. This was my pick. I am so happy that Seth Rollins won. I cannot wait to see him finally go one-on-one with the beast. It's it's time to end a nightmare that is Brock Lesnar's universal title reign. I love that Lesnar's around. I think he is an attraction, but he's completely paralyzed Raw's you know top card by ne- never being around. Uh, this will create and breathe some real life into Monday Night Raw. Yep, Seth Rollins will be a fighting champion. I think he'll be a good champion, and I think that there are some ready-made feuds present for him. You know, uh, there are a lot of people that will be knocking on his door once he becomes champion. Yeah, and there'll be a new superstar shakeup when he becomes champion. There's a lot of options here. One match I'd love to see is him face AJ Styles. Yeah. Oh, man. There's just there's endless money matches. Not, whatever money, but, you know, big-time matches uh, that uh, I really hope we get to see. So this was the right outcome. Again, obvious i think to anybody who was paying attention that seth would win but obvious is not always bad and in this case it was absolutely perfect any final thoughts on this weekend's wrestling scene in wwe great stuff they promised us that they were going to start doing things differently over there and for my money they have uh i i believe that wwe is a better product as of right now than it was you know, um, before the turn of the year. And who knows how long that's going to last. Things typically do pick up during Rumble season, but the last two Royal Rumbles have been good. And the right people have won two years in a row. So as long as they continue to do that, the Royal Rumble will be a pay-per-view worth paying attention to. The wrestling was good. The stories were good. There was some, some janky stuff. You could make arguments for, you know, different things. But overall, I had a blast this this weekend with wrestling. Me too. I think this is the best weekend, uh, all in all, that WWE has produced in some time. And I could not be more happy to see this outcome all around. Predictable booking isn't bad booking. And Rollins and Becky were both the logical choices to win here. Uh, a phenomenal takeover show. Phenomenal Royal Rumble. I could not be happier. Yeah. I think wrestling is best when WWE is good. Because it generates interest across the board and i now cannot wait to go to wrestlemania because they have matches that i care i'd about. like to think aew is genuinely scaring wwe a little bit to actually elevate their game and they haven't even done anything yet if that's the case then thank you aew you know whoever i gotta thank whatever is 
responsible for this change, I am grateful for it. So that has been our Royal Rumble and Takeover Phoenix review. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you like what we do, make sure you go listen to the Comics Pals proper, wherever your podcasts are sold, and listen to its sister show, The Video Game Pals. If you'd like for us to review any particular pay-per-view, we'd be more than glad to entertain that. Just shoot us an email over at the Comics Pals at gmail.com and leave us a review over at Apple Podcast. Uh, as for us, I'm Phil Casey. And I'm Sean Give Bartley. us the green light and we'll see you at WrestleMania. <laughs> Take care, guys. <laughs> Adios. Adios.